Hi, I'm here with Brandon Fertig, who is a writer and videographer independent um, in Minnesota, in based in Minneapolis. Am I right about that? Or are you outside of Minneapolis? Twin Cities. Okay. Okay. So just to, as by way of introduction, could you just tell us a little bit about your work, um, what you cover, what you've been doing um, locally? Yeah, I, I'm a human interest storyteller, really. Uh, sometimes I'll offer my two cents and sometimes I'll just let the subject kind of offer their own take and let, and let the story tell itself. My most recent project was a documentary about that real large homeless camp in Minneapolis we had in 2018. Uh, it was well known at the time and even got some international news. It was very large, for, especially for Minneapolis. It was almost 300 people and almost all of them were Native American. So that was also a unique angle on the homelessness saga of the country. I went there several times. I interviewed people, uh, lots of them, and repeatedly throughout the fall uh, while the camp was there. And then I ended up taking it all, and it became a story of its own. Uh, I was actually researching homelessness as, as a topic when that camp uh, blew up. So then I just decided to do a film just on it. And that's on my YouTube channel, The Periphery. My media is called The Periphery. Um, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or all that, you should find me. Uh, Brandon on the periphery is often a, a handle I use on Instagram and like Twitter and other things. So uh, people can can find me there if they want. I've been doing a lot of coverage, obviously, right now, but on, on first on COVID and just some thoughts on that and submitting articles on on that. And then uh, obviously we've just had the last week uh, a whole new saga of epic almost proportion here in the Twin Cities. Uh, that has now become a national and in some ways international uh, phenomenon. Right. right. Um, so, so what have you seen? What have you, um, can you just tell us a little bit about your observations over the last 36 hours or so um, where you are? You know, it's not a lot different than other racially, ba racially charged incident, incident, uh, incidents that uh, become uh, big, big stories. Only this is just more. And if I can go a little meta here for a second, yeah, what I'll say is what, what people I think need to understand is, is, is that the internet has done, has really been the, 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 the fuel to this fire, right? If, if there were no internet, none of this would have happened. Like in the last 15 years, Trump, a guy like Trump would never have won. Black Lives Matter would never have started. Occupy Wall Street, Tea Party would never have started, right? All of these social movements, all these, you know, supposedly outside establishment candidates, um, all these different movements, things like that. This is all a product of the organization and the uh, the organization potential of the internet, the the spread of information and misinformation, and the ability for people to polarize into their own corner of politics and then radicalize that way. All that has been made power more more and more powerful. It started in the '90s with some cable news, but now it's 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 ramped up. It's it, it's the old hockey stick uh, chart, uh, mm -hmm. and and along with the exponential rise of the ability for people to mobilize and radicalize. And Americans are super reactive. So I've traveled quite a bit, and I've lived mm -hmm. in a couple other countries. And I know you've been in Hong Kong. Yeah, and they've got their yeah, own I noticed history that of protest, too. obviously. But but when I lived in places like Tanzania, and I was in southern China, and I saw protests in China. It was so different even. I expected yeah. police there to, to, to crack down. And it was, it was very peaceful. The cops were talking to the, to the protesters. And I was surprised. Um, 
but Americans are just so reactive, right? It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's an I observation that too. I've made. Yeah, it, it's, to me, it, it seems that um, elsewhere in the world, and maybe not everywhere else, but the cultures I've lived in, um, including some Euro- European cultures, not, not only Asian, um, it seems that Americans are the, are the most likely to sort of make a decision quickly without a lot of thought, take a side and jump in and be there. There's this overconfidence and you don't see that everywhere else. There, there's people, yeah. people can react in extreme situations, obviously, but there seems to be, I would say overall in a lot of other cultures, there's a lot more uh, value placed on thinking things through and giving some time before picking a, make, make having an opinion really. Americans have this in general, there's this nervous energy in the US. And you know, we've got high rates of anxiety, depression, substance abuse. I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, yeah, yeah. Of course, we're also very innovative, hardworking, you know, all that stuff I think is tied together into the American personality. But, um, you know, I first recognized that when I watched Michael Moore's documentary, Bowling for Columbine. Uh-huh. And I didn't, and I, because he, 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 he was the first person to tell me that Americans have, at the time, 11,000 or so deaths per year from guns. And other countries that have guns have uh, less than a tenth of that, or less than even per capita. A, a percentage of that. Well, per well, per capita, yes, too, but also just total number. So it was a little yeah. skewed because America's a big country, yeah. but it was still way different. And yeah. I was like, yeah, why is that? And he never does come to a good answer in that movie. And that's, well, I just that's okay because it's a part answer the question. What shocked me when I came back from. I was overseas several different times, but when I came back from sort of the longest stretch and I'd been in Japan and what really shocked me on a visceral level was like the level of fear. And this was back in 1996. So this was a while Mm -hmm. ago, but just the constant fear being pumped through the entertainment industry, the news. I mean, the news is completely different in America than it is from Japan or or Hong Kong or, or something. So just this, it just seemed like there was this constant feeding of fear and I could feel it coming back. And now I guess I'm just used to it, but I don't know if you had the same experience. I didn't watch enough news in other places to realize it, but I had conversations with people about topics that in America would be, I, I, I just posted this on Facebook. I believe something about, um, when I, when I lived in Tanzania, people would joke and talk about race. Oh, you're yeah. a white guy. Oh, I'm, I'm a black guy, you know, like, self-deprecating right. and, and, and open and just, it was light. Um, kind of like how I, how I remembered it actually as a kid in a small town, yeah. it, it wasn't taboo. I mean, we were probably saying things that wouldn't be okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end of Nobody's the world if you, if you broke the taboo. Um, and then I, I, so I, I wrote a piece about for the Minneapolis newspaper about that, a, a long uh, like op-ed kind of commentary, like uh, things are so charged here. Right. Things are so charged. Uh, yeah. As I said in that piece, uh, when these guys in Tanzania were talking the way they were about race, I I, expe- I kind of looked over my shoulder like, oh, you know, and it's like, oh, Brandon, <laughs> don't have to worry about it. We're in Tanzania. Like, like no one's going to tweet this out or, you know, no one's going to. And, and there was nothing right. to tweet out. There's nothing wrong with what they were right. saying. Right. You're just, yeah. No one was offended and it was all it was all good. But. Um, it's, it's harder to have that in America because people are tense. They're waiting for a chance to react. They, yeah. they, they, we stew in that energy. We, we look for the chance to, what, what, you know, we look for that opportunity. To we're we're kind of waiting for it to pounce. And yeah. that's what gets all the attention. And 
the the internet has helped that just take everything over. Like there there are feel good stories it. once in a while. Yeah, there are feel good stories once in a while, but Twitter is so shallow and reactive, uh, more so than even the other social medias, which are also shallow and reactive, mostly. Yeah. Um, there's obviously some well thought out stuff out there, especially on the longer form channels like YouTube and, and even maybe Facebook, but but Twitter is just snappy and reactive. So if you're sarcastic, if you're mean, if you're angry, if you're fearful, that's what gets shared. That gets and the attention. So so getting back to what's going on right now, is there is there anything you're seeing? So a lot of what we're seeing out here, I'm in California, you know, from from afar, yeah. from the media, from Twitter. What I'm seeing is it looks like there are sort of two, dis- there, there are like the genuine protesters and then there are sort of these infiltrators. Um, you know, some people are saying they're, they're yeah. all paid by Soros, it's Antifa. Are you seeing that or is there another, la- is there anything that you're seeing that, that you think we're not seeing from, from outside? No, it's it's all on video. The revolution will be televised. I mean, it really is. Uh, I, I went down there myself and I saw the damage. And, and and by the way, if anyone's interested in following my work, I, I've been posting and writing all about this on on my my Facebook. Actually, is kind of a I know it's 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 like the 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 millennial social media, whereas Gen Gen, Gen Z now is like, oh, Facebook, that's for old people. Right. We I like you know people. the more snappier social media, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. But I, li- I do like Facebook because it, 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 it is more discussion-based. And uh, I, so I post to it. So you can find me at Brandon Fertig and you can follow me. Or I have a page too, yeah. but my profile is actually where I do most of my posting. And I, I, I wrote a lot about what you just said, actually. Uh, okay. Where uh, you may have actually seen it because we're a Facebook I've seen I've seen a little bit of your stuff, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I will I post a link. There. You, you could sense... Well, for, so I went down there Friday, Friday, and everything's smoldering. There was a large sense of, there was some cleaning up. Some people were even giving water to the troops standing guard at the perimeter of the ground zero riot zone where the Target was looted, where the, where the grocery stores were looted, where the Wendy's was burned down to the ground, where the housing complex was burned to the ground. They created a perimeter there. And... Some people in the morning or early afternoon when I got there were giving the troops a hard time, but that just, but, but it seemed there was also a lot of, I'd say it was 50, 50 giving the troops a hard time and half like clean up people just like gawking and saying, Oh my God, what happened? Photographing the smoldering, um, an electric pole tipped over a truck just charred. I mean, it looked like a war zone. It literally looked like a war zone. Um, yeah. There's some great footage out there of that, and it, it's 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 heartbreaking. It's 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 awful. Um, yeah. And is it just in Minneapolis? Sort of. Mostly, down- yeah. I I heard I heard reports of a couple of suburban outbreaks, but and and St. Paul had some looting, okay. but Minneapolis was really everything. It was it was the heartbeat of it, and it's continued to be the. The and, and the cops were Minneapolis cops, so that's that's mm-hmm. the target. Um, but as the day wore on Friday, it, it got a little bit more uh, uh, tense. And by the end of the day, right before I left, um, I, I I was asking a couple of protesters who were in front of these troops keeping the perimeter guarded. So they're they're across the street, 
these National Guard troops just standing there like statues. And people are jeering them and giving them really hard time. And I asked the guy, so are you mad because you can't get in there? Or are you mad at just any police presence? I was trying to get an understanding of where his anger was coming from. And mm-hmm. he immediately got mad at me for not being mad. <laughs> and and, and I, you can see the... Um, This wasn't what this was a white guy and he wasn't doing what the black people in front were doing. They were they were like this one lady was singing a song like you can't stop us. You'll never take us. You know, you'll never keep us down. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was this kind of message of we're going to belong. You can't keep us down. That had to me the feeling of. We're still here. We belong. and we want the system to change so that it that, that it, it includes us. Uh, you know, that's that's yeah. like maybe half, or if you want to somehow split it up, of the energy. But what that guy and what I heard, saw other guys around him talking about and later acting on, that was different. It wasn't mm. we want to we want the system to change to include us. It was. We want to destroy the system. Mm-hmm. It, it's just pure destruction. Right. And it wasn't just white guys that had that. I mean, you see the looting and they were interviewing looters and, and rioters. Uh, Unicorn Riot is a YouTube channel that had a lot of that going live and they're interviewing rioters and they're, they're sympathetic to the cause. So they had really good access, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. it was, it was telling interviews and the people were just there to destroy and they were, they, you know, they came in all colors. But I do think there was like two major energies. One of mm-hmm. we want to belong and we're sick of feeling like second class citizens versus we want to destroy. Right. We just want to straight up destroy. Is your sense that the the destroy energy is coming from outside from groups like Antifa or do you really think it's all kind of homegrown? I think that's a fun theory to run with. And I'm sure some of it does come from outside, but I don't see how that really changes much. Like, I guess it, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's like, who cares if people came from Madison? So whether they wanted to participate in the daytime protests or whether they want to take a part in the nighttime riots, I don't, I mean, th- th- there's still that same energy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people love to run with that because it makes it sound like a conspiracy, a, a concerted effort. And for the local pol- politicians, they use that as a reason to deflect blame Yeah. and say, oh, hey, yeah. hey, look, see, these were outsiders coming in. And it's so funny because you'll see that you'll see that outsider theory. And I'm sure there's truth to it, but you'll see it run with and run with fast. I mean, right. It it's a football for really whoever fast. can it benefit over Twitter. from it. And it's like, yeah, because people want to benefit from it, not because it's going to help anything but because it helps their political side their ideology Mm -hmm. and -hmm. and that's what is the prime driver of like the people who were writing they don't for the most part they don't want to see a better well they want of course they want to see a better world but i don't really know i'm going with that it just it just feels like people are mad not at a specific action, like, oh, they destroyed it. They're mm-hmm. only mad if the destruction happens for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. If it happens for the right reason, 
then it's good or they'll defend it, right? Mm -hmm. So people were rooting for these riots all over Twitter. And, uh, reputable people. I saw physicians and professionals and people with blue wow. check marks. They're like, hey, this is what they got to do. You know, they were really defending it and, and, and kind of rooting for it. And, um, and, and, and then the people now that are... Uh, so the cops came last night in heavy and in, in, in full force, the National Guard and... And they were heavy handed, evidently, against journalists and, and, and civilians and residents. And uh, and so now people are outraged about that. That's really the. Um, that's the that's the uh, that's the wobbliness, like if you're driving a bike and you, you start to walk, but you overcorrect mm -hmm. and you overcorrect and then you just kind of wobble and eventually you fall over. That's that's the U.S. right now. That's the U.S. society right now. So whereas. You get mad about one thing, the police, a white policeman killing a black guy. And then a bunch of people protest and riot, and that makes a bunch of people mad at the protesters and rioters. Mm -hmm. And then the police come in heavy handed, and then that makes everyone mad at the police. Mm -hmm. So there's no good guys. Uh, everyone's a bad guy, potentially. No one is interested in, not no one, but all the people making the most noise are not interested in conceding anything like, yeah, you know, maybe the cop was too hard or, well, that's, that actually is conceded by most people, but you'll never see someone rooting for the protesters say, yeah, they went too far and you'll never, and now you'll see people who are happy the cops came in and they're, they're reluctant to say, yeah, the cops went too far. Like right, no one is conceding right. anything. They're just going harder and harder and harder to their, uh, uh, driving their ideological point further and that just drives the country further apart and social yeah. media america cannot handle social media it, <laughs> it, it, it has really destroyed uh uh people have let it destroy like they've just walked right into it it's not the problem of the uh you know the gun doesn't kill people the the, the person does and, and people have taken the tool of social media and have uh, lars it for way good i mean i think the good far outweighs the bad but uh, it's it's becoming a, a, an extraordinarily disruptive force to the American fabric. And well, here's what's interesting to me is looking looking at what you're describing and which matches what I'm seeing on on social uh -huh. media about what's going on there. And obviously, these are causes with sort of they're maybe not as highly emotionally charged. But when I compare what's going on the demons the protests and the riots in Minnesota to the protests that have been happening in California. And across the nation, but I'm more familiar with the California ones um, <clears throat> over the lockdowns. And the demonstrations here in California have been so overwhelmingly peaceful. And the people, the, the loudest people there, the ones kind of taking lead, are truly committed to peace. I mean, you listen to their language, to the way they speak. They stand there and they pray for the police officers. They were, you know, Sacramento was surrounded by by cops in riot gear um, and, you know, really be behaving in a way that, you know, when you look at what and how the police were behaving, it was like, yeah, they're trying to start something. They're trying to start a confrontation. And yet the people there who were, who were demonstrating came back, they came back after a bunch had been arrested and had a prayer service and they were praying for the police officers and, um, and everything they said, totally, completely committed to peace. And so to me, it's, and, and, you know, yes, it's, it's for a different 
reason, um, mm -hmm. yes, people's lives are really being disrupted and, and in some cases destroyed by the lockdowns, but it's not as viscerally, you know, it's not the same as, as a guy literally stomping a guy to death, you know? Um, so, so yes, there are differences there, but to me, it's just really interesting to see how it doesn't have to be this way. You know, even in this country, it's possible to have large scale protests that don't go south in this way. Um, what, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I think, I think protests, like you, you don't have to put much political pressure on the, the politicians here. They're already sympathetic to the cause. Mm. Um, maybe that's the benefit of political polarization. Like cities or Minnesota cities, the, the two major cities are, are very liberal. Right. Very liberal. Right. You, you didn't right. have to destroy things to get the mayor's attention. He right. already was sickened by it. He made it very clear. He 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 said we need to arrest the officer, and that's unprecedented. Telling the uh, the um, I forget what his title is, but the 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 lead attorney what to do. The guy who prosecutes these things. He was like telling them to, to arrest the guy, like telling him to do his job. That I think that's unprecedented. Um, mm -hmm. At least unusual so yeah I, I i certainly believe just and the black lives matter protests from years ago were generally peaceful i mean there was some there yeah, was some, they certainly started out that way i mean yeah there, there, I it wasn't them, it wasn't anything like this not even close not even close no there was, i mean i remember there were, there were freeways shut freeways were shut down and that was kind of the biggest thing yeah um yeah you know what's funny though is that i I, I remember Black Lives Matter protests here and interviewing a couple of uh, a mother and fiance of a black guy who was shot and killed in his neighborhood. And I was interviewing a lot of people who, who had uh, lost loved ones to gun violence. I was kind of doing a series on that in 2017. And I asked them about Black Lives Matter, these two black women, and they weren't fond of the group. Um, and one of the reasons was, was because they said it doesn't feel like it's even an African-American group. And that's oh, here really? in Minnesota. Oh, that's and interesting. this is, this was not, this is around the time they actually did start arresting people on the freeways for blocking freeways. They let a few of them go and then they started arresting them. And there was this one incident in St. Paul, I think fall of 2017 or it was 2016. I can't remember, but they, they arrested several people. And then you look at the mug shots and it's like 90% of them are white. Wow. And I read a story about it. And you could have read that story about last night or two nights ago. Hmm. It was a piece that said the, the, the local Black Lives Matter, Matter people, the leaders, were confused by the white anger. <laughs> they, were, they were confused by these white people that had come in and they were furious. And they had to like calm them down. And they're like, what are you talking about? And like, they were threatening these things like, we're going to destroy this and that. And the blacks were like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And these are the same kinds of interactions we've seen on Twitter now around yeah. these riots. That's not to say that, you know, there hasn't been all kinds of vandalism and terribleness from people of all colors, but there, there, there was that element of another strong motivation and entity uh, latching on to the Black Lives Matter movement back in 2017 and now now uh, as well. So it's, it's really not a surprise. It's, it's, it's happened before. Only now, with things louder and more out there, um, it's just 
more visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that is the good thing about all like like what the internet obviously does is it, it does shine sunlight into a lot of things. We're seeing the police violence. We're seeing um, the over the top uh, rioters and 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 their motivation. And now and now the protesters are getting mad at some of the rioters. You know, so yeah. we're having yeah. like. Yeah. In some ways, things are getting more broke up and more fragmented. But um, look, this is all just disruption. This yeah. whole thing, one big broom of disruption sweeping through uh, the country right now. And because America is so reactive and, and dramatic, well, it, and, it, it, it's, it's so loud here. Yeah. And, and as so you say, here. as you kind of alluded to, it's it's sort of it's the loudest voices that get the attention and it's the it's the thing that, that makes the biggest noise that makes the headlines. What I'm really interested in hearing from, I don't know if you're going to be, you know, out there talking, talking with, I'm sure you are going to be talking with people in the community. I'm, I'd like to know what the African-American moms think about this. I'd like to know, you know, the ones who probably aren't out there protesting, but obviously have an opinion about it and are also concerned about their community and what their kids are going to grow up into. I want to know what the moms think mm. about all of this. Yeah. The best I could offer is a speculation. When I interviewed that mother and fiance of that, that, that deceased gentleman, they were, they, they seemed to me real level headed about everything. They were not interested in, destruction but they were not uh at all like on the side of the police in fact yeah. they they were not like their 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 son and fiance uh he was shot in like a mistaken identity in her gang kind of thing it was an inner city death but that didn't make them pro-law enforcement in fact, mm-hmm. they were more mad at law enforcement because of the lack of follow-up on the case. Mm-hmm. And it, things are so tribal now that you expect people to either be pro-protesters or rioters or pro-police. And there's like no in-between. Right. 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 That's been a real problem with the internet is that it's just magnified the polarization. But, but, but these women were, were, were so mad at the violence. They're, they're mad at their own community. They're mad at the police. And I'm not saying I'm not saying this to say that they're just mad at the world. I'm just saying that they're pointing out the faults and all these things. Yeah. They were very level headed about it. Um, And they're just sad. Like like they actually tapped into a deeper emotion. Yeah. They weren't yelling or screaming in this interview at all. They were sad. They were just sad about things. And that's I, I think that's what the internet prevents people from doing. You go on Twitter. You feed this shallow uh, state of drama, and it's like it's like a drug. Uh, it's like playing a video game, you know, getting hooked on a a, a mobile game, and you don't you you're not able to tap into something deeper. So you're not feeling any humility. You're not really feeling much grief or sadness. You're just feeling outrage and mm-hmm. fear mm-hmm. and drama. But when I interviewed these women, it was all the deeper emotions. It was it was the sadness. It was the grief. It was the resignation. It was the hope. All right. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful interview over a very terrible thing. And I I, I loved how 
great these women were. I have a YouTube channel where it's on there. I mean, it's kind of an older interview. You have to look back, but my, my YouTube channel is called The Periphery. Okay, I'll post that's that. What, that's what I kind of got started with was, was YouTube interviews. That's what kind of put my channel on the map. And that's actually what got me going on that homelessness documentary where there too people were, you know, at, at first you get them, this is the power of long form. You get past the headline. Yeah. You get past the knee-jerk reaction. So if you interview someone on the street or someone in this homeless camp, they're going to at first maybe offer the usual responses, uh, whether it's a plea for help or a complaint or whatever. But after you get past that and you really get them talking about their past, the way they grew up, their hopes for the future, how defeated they are, then you get to the root. And uh, that's, that's, that's what I was able to do in that documentary. And it's pretty, it's pretty telling. That is the featured video on my YouTube channel. So you'll see that documentary, okay. which I was going to put in film fests and had, I was having screenings of it this year, but then everything stopped. <laughs> yeah. Something happened and that's some virus or something. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. And I heard, so maybe, maybe next time we can talk about that. I know you need to get going. Um, I really hope that you do some more of those interviews um, with everything going on, I hope you're able to get some some interviews like that around this topic because I feel like those voices are really missing, and that that depth that you're talking about is is really missing from from the coverage that we're seeing. So I really really hope that we are able to to see um, to see some of that. You know, I, I I think that'll that'll come, and it actually will be better a month from now or six months from now. Uh, one, one good interview I got, I, my, my coverage from Friday was mostly just observing, but I'll, I'll end by saying this, if I can, that while they had the perimeter sealed off and I had some disappointment, it still allowed you to see all sorts of destruction. So one building was still on fire. Uh, one house, the siding was melted just from the heat. It never actually caught fire, but the siding was melted. Oh, one street sign was like melted. Um, it looked like a forest fire had gone through. A truck was completely charred. I mean, you could hardly tell it was even a vehicle. It looked like a war zone. But you could. But one thing I wanted to do that I, I couldn't do at first was I wanted to go into the Target. I wanted to go into the dollar store that were looted and see what it was like in there. I wanted to see that Walking Dead-like scene. Mm -hmm. Well, I couldn't because they had the whole complex cordoned off or uh, uh, the perimeter sealed from troops every road every alley but i walked around back behind the target store where people were doing some cleaning and the doors were open in the back so i actually got into the target store oh wow and i was walking through water that was like two inches deep and there's food and there's clothes and there's all kinds of debris floating in the water and the, everything was just it, imagine the most trash destroyed thing you can think of and that's what it was like only in this scene the target shopping music was still playing <laughs> it was a little eerie God, while, while so... a siren is going off right but, but oh. the worst was the worst was that between the target and a dollar tree store dollar store here was there was a school there's a charter school in the oh. same strip mall complex you got target the school and the dollar tree and i walked into the back of this school and this was a modern school like um so it wasn't like red brick and chalkboards you know it was like yeah. everything was electronic and uh just just a modern architecture and but 
it was still full of kids stuff, uh, uh, posters for kids. And this was a school designed for the inner city community. Yeah. So there's pictures of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Barack Obama, other other uh, black figures uh, to talk about being a future leader uh, in the African-American community. And that was all like the backdrop for yeah. broken TVs, uh, food strewn all over the floor, and the water was there as well. Mm. Sprinklers spraying. And I got footage and photos of that. And as I was just about to leave, I was in the cafeteria. I was like looking at the hallway to leave the back. And then I, a guy walks in and he too has a camera. So we had first look at each other like, what is this? <laughs> but then he, he says, I went to school here. Oh, wow. Uh, he was 24, black guy. He says, I got a four-year-old son of my own and I'm, I'm worried. And I didn't know if he was worried because, you know, there's a lot of reasons to worry. Right? There's a lot of reasons to worry. Things are just unrest. Uh, was, it, was it another cop killing of a black guy? Was it the riots? And he was, he was happy to go on camera. Uh, and so I interviewed him for 10 minutes or so there wow. uh, with, that, with that backdrop. And, you know, material like that, I, I'm going to hope to have up even by the end of this week. Okay. Because it's obviously timely, but I also don't want to just, it's not a news. It's not a news that this is a good thing of internet media is that you don't have to now try to get it crammed in within a half hour with commercial breaks. Yeah. You can present it long form like this conversation and this guy's interview can, can get out there and, and hopefully it will. A bad yeah, thing well, about I'll, the I'll get it out there. So fragmented and things can get lost so easily. Not everyone's watching the one TV channel. So. Right. Anyway, um, that interview will get out there as far, in addition to other things. And hopefully, yes, I'll do, I'll do some more interviews and get some thoughts after the fact when people have calmed down about yeah. the <clears throat> situation. Because it, yeah. it is nuts. I like to take a, a big picture view at it, though. And if you see the Internet just sort of ramping up all these movements that have happened throughout the 2000s and the crazy politicians, and it's really, it's really apropos. Uh, it, it, things continue to ramp up. My question is, what next? Yeah. Uh, because if this continues, we're not going to be able to be governed anymore by, we're not going to be able to order society the way we're doing it now. Because the people that get elected aren't competent and the systems they're leading aren't fast enough or nimble enough uh, or they're too fast and uh, broad brushed or something like that. And, and, or like and so in, in California, it's just, it's, it's truly become a dictatorship. I mean, those of us in, yeah. in the health freedom movement have sort of recognized that for a while now, but now with the, the last few months, I think it's becoming clear to a lot more people. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you can come back on another time and we can just talk about this because that's it's kind of what my show is about is, you know, what do we do? What's that's the title of the show is what then must we do? you know, what are the solutions? And I think you're right that people are real, people are coming to recognize that this isn't working. Yeah. So now, well, what do we do? It's unsustainable. I I did a talk to the Minnesota futurists about how technology is just making government so hard to, to function because things move so fast and fluid that the system we have of trying to wrangle 
and 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 draw lines in the sand between right and wrong is it, or they're just becoming impractical and in some place in some things unnecessary which is good you know we're, we're solving problems outside of the need for a, a, a rigid law um but yeah there has to be something then to replace that if if government is incapable of of doing it uh, incapable of providing the way it was designed to provide whether it's education mm -hmm. or safety or whatever um i'm actually starting a facebook group on that i'll invite you oh yeah please uh yes. yeah and uh and then yeah let's let's if, if i can come on again uh, definitely at some yes. Point, let's, yes let's let's just focus on that because that's yeah. that is that's, a topic that's also itself. what i'm that's also what i say a lot on my facebook posts is look you can complain about things all you want but that doesn't you know that's what everyone else seems to do they love to complain yeah. so they the cops went crazy last night police are terrible okay we got your point now what right yeah. there has to be some kind of action follow-up action other than just the boss of police right there has to be some kind of i mean that's a good first Buckminster? step well you have to replace it with i think was it buckminster fuller who said don't just don't have a revolution and just tear down the system. Yeah. Build a parallel system that people will want to come to. Yeah. Which, by the way, is what I think Bitcoin is and yeah. what other internet focused uh, operations technologies are. But yeah, we can get more into that next yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I know we've gone past. You said you had to leave yeah. um, at a quarter to. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I will put links up. If there's anything else you want to add, any other upcoming projects or anything, um, let me know, or you can email me and I can put links up to, the, to those two. Um, will do. Thank you. Stay safe out there. And we're looking forward to seeing more from you. All right. Thanks, Brittany. All right. Bye. Bye.